Welcome to the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. I'm Jim Gallagher Jr. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. And let's give out a special thanks to Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music. You can find Steve Azar at steveazar.com. And don't forget to get your copy of Only One Shot. That's by VJ Trollio. And it's available on Amazon. Well, it's PGA Week, and I wanted to do a little short preview to this week's PGA Championship. It'll be played at the Ocean Course at Kiowa Island, South Carolina. Many of us uh, who've been around for a while, we remember the uh, 1991 Ryder Cup, the War on the Shore, if you want to call it. And it went all the way down to the last putt, the last person. And Bernard Langer missed a short putt for the USA to win. And one of the most gut-wrenching atmospheres and pressure-packed atmospheres that I'd ever seen in competitive golf. And maybe a short preview for when I played in the 93 Ryder Cup uh, at the Belfry. I got to see kind of what those guys went through. And it was a golf course that was very tough. And it just it penalized just the marginally missed shot. And I think... I think the players at first, listening to many of them, they hated it because they didn't quite know how to play it. And then the wind blows, very difficult golf course. But I think over time, as in many cases, especially over the Pete Dye golf course, they begin to kind of understand and appreciate what he's requiring of the players. You've got to hit precise iron shots. you got to have a lot of patience. And just that small miss is compounded double, three times as much. And they're penalized for that. So I think that's a lot of the reasons the players really just didn't like it at first. But you also look back, and they had the senior PGA, and that was won by Dennis Watson in 2007. And, of course, Rory in 2012 won the PGA Championship by eight shots. The golf course was softer back then, very tough, though. But he played some phenomenal golf, and then we went on to kind of really understood just how great Rory was and uh, they're back again, hosting it again uh, this week. So it's going to be fun to see how this golf course holds up. That depends on the weather. If they get some wind, it plays very difficult. But when you look at these guys and just how good they are and how good the equipment has become and, and has really improved since the 91 Ryder Cup and just the way the agronomy, there's so many factors that go into what we're seeing such uh, – great players out there and they really come up to a golf course like this they're going to be tested it's going to test their patience it's going to be very difficult uh, and the guy that comes out and wins is going to have to be 100 percent on his game both mentally and physically i mentioned uh, some of the history of kiwa island but i remember reading an article uh, golf digest had put out and they were talking about kind of the history of kiwa and how the Ryder cup got to actually be played in 91 and originally landmark land owned Kiowa Island. They owned several other golf courses. They were one of the best uh, operators back in those days in the 80s and 90s in golf. And they owned Oak Tree in Edmond, Oklahoma, PJ West. They had a stadium golf course and several other Mission Hills and so many great uh, facilities around the country. And, and I actually represented Palm Beach Polo, which was down in uh, West Palm Beach, uh, Florida. So kind of had a little bit of affiliation, knew all those guys that were running. They were a great group of guys. But originally, the PGA had given the Ryder Cup or a future Ryder Cup to the stadium golf course. It hadn't quite been uh, finished, and, and I don't remember the year they were going to play it, but uh, nonetheless, they had a skins game there. Fuzzy Ziller played. I remember all those great uh, kind of things and, and shows and games and, and, and or different, uh, uh, you know, during Thanksgiving, those shows were wonderful. But then they decided, hey, we're going to play the one round of the, of the uh, Bob Hope Classic there. And well, the Bob Hope Classic was played on golf courses that are pretty short. Indian Wells, Bermuda Dunes, fun golf courses, great membership golf courses, La Quinta, some wonderful golf courses in the desert. But they weren't 
necessarily that difficult for the pros. They were fun to play. They kept pace of play going. It was always one of my favorite tournaments. And Paul Azinger had finished 15th this year, and then I had that one year, I think it was 86 is when it opened, and, and I had finished probably top 25 or 30. And he said, hey, we're going to go over and play. Uh, do you want to go over and play the stadium golf course? It's just opening. I know the guys and blah, blah, blah. I had not really signed a deal with them. So Paul and I go over there first thing in the morning. We had just finished playing, and I mean, we were playing good. We just had really good weeks at the hope and and he goes out we get on those first few holes i'm like lord this is a hard golf course and it was rough and it wasn't kind of you know just the way he the look was completely different than anything i'd ever seen and the greens and it just looked like it wasn't i mean some people's minds made on planet earth it really just looked different and i think he shot maybe 72 or three and really played great now this guy just finished top 10 in the week before or the day before uh, I think I shot 75 or 6, and it was one of the hardest golf courses I had ever played. And and that was just a, a fun day. And then a couple of years later, they decided to have the hope out there. And, my gosh, I think the day I played, Mike Reed might have been the only guy that broke par. I think I shot even or one over and thought I played as well as I could possibly play. But the players complained it was – just really terrible, just some of the comments, and even some of the people who don't say much, the quiet players were complaining. So they took a pretty good shot at the golf course, and, and the PGA maybe decided, hey, maybe we don't need to play here, and they changed their mind or they, from what I read in the article, and they decided to award it to Kiowa Island, the ocean course, which was also a landmark land golf course. So it didn't really – they had a great relationship with the PGA, and they were okay with that too. Uh, they, you know, they were trying to promote it and they were getting busy in the desert with so many things and so many tournaments going on. So, uh, the, the ocean course hadn't quite finished. And I remember, uh, when they were out there and, and Hugo hits hurricane Hugo it was terrible. I think it was category five and just destroyed basically that whole Island. And, and Pete got in there and, and they were so concerned with the recovery that he was actually able to do a lot of things without a lot of people looking over him. And, I remember him being quoted, and in the article he's quoted, I want to make it the hardest golf course, and I want to punish these guys if they hit a bad shot. And and I think there's a lot to be said to the way Pete's thinking. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, he requires a precise iron shot. And if you, you know, short side yourself or you go at a pin and you just barely miss it, it's going to penalize you. And, you know, lo and behold, they get the golf course finished, they get the 91 Ryder Cup, and we got to see it on TV, and it had, like, seen – it looked more like somewhere you'd see in the Lynx golf courses. I think the European players felt like they had an advantage because it was, like, something they had seen over in Scotland. And our players, you know, listening to them, they hated it. They just thought it was so difficult. Uh, but I think they just, as, as I mentioned, they got to figuring it out. But uh, it's kind of how, you know, the Ryder Cup got to uh, Kiowa Island, and now we've got a PGA. So we'll get into a little bit of the history here in a second. But I uh, thought that was kind of a cool little uh, tidbit that I read in Golf Digest. Flying down that levee road, trying to see how fast you go. Got my baby along for the ride This forever far as I can see At least that's what I want to believe Girl, is the sun sets in your eyes When you go back to the history of the PGA It goes all the way back to 1916 That's when the first PGA was played It was in Bronxville, New York It was won by Jim Barnes He went five 
$1,500 in a gold medallion. So you look back to now, and they're winning nearly $2 million uh, in first place. So an amazing difference in how the game has changed. They played match play then, and they did all the way through 1957. Switched over to metal play in 1958, and it's where we see it today. Another thing we looked at, we always kind of remembered the PGA for years being played in August. And in 2019, they switched it to May. Now, this to many seemed, oh, you can't do this. This is terrible. It's been fantastic since they've done it. But over the course of the years, it has played in all kinds of different times of the year. So it's a championship that's always kind of changed. Maybe their dates, different golf courses. But I think it's one of the best fields in golf. Uh, it was always one of my favorite championships. The question came out many times to me, if you could win a major, which one would it be? Well, you know, obviously the Masters, everybody would know that, the U.S. Open. But because my dad was a PGA uh, member for 45 years at the same club and is 83 years old, and he's been a member since he's 22 years old. So you look over 60-plus years of being a PGA member, and for all the PGA pros out there that really had a big impact on my golf career as a kid and always welcoming me and encouraging me, it was my favorite championship a lot of the reasons because of that. It's one I truly wanted to win. Uh, the best finish I ever had up to a point was actually my first one uh, in 1989 was at Kemper Lakes. And I finished 12th. My buddy, uh, Rick Paprick, who was then the vice president and really, a, I guess, the head of marketing for Tommy Emmergoff, lived in Chicago, very good player. I was represented by Tommy Emmergoff. And he said, if you get in the PGA, I had signed a contract with him in 84, and he said, if you get in the PGA, I'll caddy for you at Kemper Lakes. Well, lo and behold, I did, and we went on to finish 12th, and it was a great week for me. But probably the most memorable one for me was in 1991, it was going to be at Crooked Stick in Indianapolis, actually Carmel, Indiana. When I grew up in Indiana, uh, played Crooked Stick just tons of times. They had redone it. Pete had gone in. Die had gone in. Redid a lot of the greens and the, just the kind of the look, extended some of the tees. And at first I was thinking, oh, you ruined a great golf course. But they really didn't. It was just different than what I saw. And when we got to the play of the PGA, I was just so fired up that it was going to be in Crooked Stick. My mother-in-law had actually passed away the, the week before of cancer. And it was really an emotional week and wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to play. And my wife says, you know, you got to play. And, and, and we were just going to kind of get over, you know, just the, you know, the shock of her death and everything. It was just a terrible time for us emotionally as a family. But lo and behold, when the pairings came out, I think it was on a Friday, I saw that I was paired with Rocco Mediate in the great Arnold Palmer. You know, my parents were huge Arnold Palmer fans. I was as well. And, and I'd never really even met Arnold just for maybe a minute. So I, it, it was kind of like, man, what a blessing. You know, I lose my mother-in-law the week before and, and I always kid that to Sissy that I said, yeah, I think your mom went up to heaven. The first thing she says, hey, by the way, can you get Jim paired with Arnold Palmer? Be kind of a cool thing. So uh, it just was a memorable week for me all around the first two rounds with Arnold. I just, I was in awe. And, and I, he was one of the few people that I had a hard time speaking in front of. I was in just such awe of him and, and so much respect for him that I didn't know what to call him when I first met him. Mr. Palmer, you know, Arnold, I didn't want to be disrespectful. So I basically for two days followed him around like a puppy. I even ran into him a couple of times and he'd stop. You know, I was just trying to take in every moment of being around Arnold Palmer, but I was in contention for the PGA. At that point, I think it was in the top 10 or 15. I was having a great week. And I remember we went to the 16th hole and he was going to miss the cut. And, and he had a pretty long shot in there and I'd had a really good drive down there. And he kind of turned around to me and he said, well, man, Jim, I wonder why they didn't play that back tee back there. And 
kind of without thinking said, well, I mean, I think they're waiting to make sure all the good players make the cut. And I stopped right in mid-sentence. And he kind of looked at me with those brown eyes, and I was like, uh-oh, I just insulted the king. Well, lo and behold, he takes out two or three iron, pops it in there about 10 feet, winks at me, and hitches up those pants. And I was just like, man, he is the king. I blew it over the green, of course, with the seven iron, had to get it up and down. But as the week went on, I, I go in there to the last day. I'm in pretty good shape. And I got a pretty good chance to win. It's the year John Daly won. And I felt like, man, he's not going to be able to hold up, you know, and the pressure. And I've got a pretty good chance of this, especially as well as I know the golf course. My friend and kind of mentor Bruce Litsky's in contention, and he's behind me in the group. So I go out and shoot 67. Low round of the day, birdie the 18th, which was one of the coolest moments in golf for me. Pins on the back right. I've got the local fans there screaming and hollering. I cut a little six iron in there and about five, six feet. And I was just like, man, what a cool shot. And I've watched it, you know, over and over. And I, just before I get over it, I hear somebody yell, Jimmy, don't choke. Knock it in. And I was like, oh, no, you didn't just say that. And uh, I, you know, kind of calmed down and, and gathered my emotions and my thoughts and knocked the putt in. And I just remember that whole scene of the crowd and, and knowing it was going to be low round and I ended up finishing third John Daly went on to win well deserving as he should have as well as he played in the legend of John Daly kind of grew the following year in 1992 we go to Belle Reve which is in St. Louis so it's a midwestern uh, golf course and I was pretty fired up but when I got on the course during the practice rounds the hole seemed to go a little bit right to left and I kind of like didn't really fit my eye and I figured it out uh, Billy Poor was my caddy and he was a great caddy at Paul Azinger and several really good players and he really kind of kept me in the in the week and I've got a really good chance going into the last nine holes I'm right there and and I remember I think it was on 12 or 13 and I make bogey there a three putt or whatever and I was just like I couldn't believe it so now I'm like a couple back and I get to 17 I make birdie at 18 I drive it just in the left side of the fairway pins on the left side which for a cutter like me that was a hard shot I pull it left in the bunker don't get it up and down make bogey and fall, I think, at that point, two or three back. And, and at that point, Nick Price is behind me a few groups. He he makes about a 20-footer for par at 17 and then blows it over the green at 18 but gets it up and down. He ends up winning for a couple. But, you know, maybe if he doesn't make those putts, I don't bogey 18. I'm in a playoff. But I finished second. It was my best finish in a major. And, uh, you know, I was so proud because I ended up making the Ryder Cup team in 93. And, and just because of really that finish – kind of spurred me on and got me enough points to kind of get me jump shooting or jump jumping forward going into that 93 season where I went in and won twice. So the PGA has always been a great, uh, you know, just a memorable championship for me. I think everyone's going to enjoy it. I can't wait to watch it. I've never been to Kiowa. I've never played it, so I don't have the insight on that. But I know I've watched it a bunch, and I look forward to it, and I know you all do too. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, Colin Morikawa is defending champion. I think it's a guy like him. Rory's playing well. Justin Thomas. You could put John Rahm in there. You can go on and on. Dustin Johnson hasn't played well. Maybe this is the week he figures it out and gets the putter working. But it's going to take a lot of patience. It's going to be a very difficult golf course. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's kind of like the way I always end these podcasts, whether life or golf, you've only got one shot and you got to make it count. So that's what these guys are going to do. They're going to make it count. It's going to be fun to watch them. I look forward to it and I appreciate y'all listening to me and uh, our podcast. And uh, this will probably be the last one for season three. We'll start off with season four. I'll give you a little hint. My son Thomas is going to host the first two, part one, part two. He's going to interview me. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll get that out to you as, as soon as possible. But until uh, next time, appreciate you listening, and uh, have some fun out there.
broken down car in the 8 a.m. traffic. Bumper to bumper, nobody laughing, dead cell phone. Somebody throw me a bone, is it just me? Am I all alone now? I'm the waitress in L.A., way past the prime. Shoulder to shoulder, half a mile line. Hey, sugar, can I get some for my coffee? Am I the only one that's crowded, surrounded? You go again, you're closing in, you keep coming. I keep running. Everywhere I turn, I'm knocking into something. So I moved out to the country, but the city keeps moving in.